Welcome to episode 150 of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today on the show is a wonderful man, a new friend of mine, and I'll actually be sharing the stage with him this coming September at the Afterlife Research and Education Symposium, which, mark your calendar, is September 15th through 17th in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I don't know what time or date you're listening to this, but there are some discounted pricing. There is discounted pricing dependent on, depending on when you register. So you want to check that out. Go to afterlifestudies.org and come meet both of us in person and a lot of other great people. So today on the show, we have uh, Mr. Jan Vanderzandy, PhD, who has been a practicing physicist, professor, and Wall Street analyst for 30 years. Jan has described in detail evidence for life after death and has been cited in numerous cases. Much of his evidence has been based on his own experiences and has witnessed extraordinary phenomena. Jan is the author of the book, Life After Death, Some of the Best Evidence. So welcome to We Don't Die Radio, Jan Vanderzandy. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Sandra, and thank you for inviting me. No, oh, it's my pleasure. And just so our listener knows, uh, Jan and I had an interview scheduled maybe in a month's time from now, and I called him yesterday and I said, can we do this tomorrow? I'm just so excited by his book that I downloaded and the subject matter, and I can't wait to find out more. So, Jan, where, first of all, where are you talking to us from today? I'm based outside of Los Angeles where I've lived for 35 years now. Very nice. And uh, But my experiences started back uh, in the 1970s, back in South Africa, and I'll go and talk to you about that in detail. Yeah, I'll have you just start sharing your story, because it's a, it's a different kind of um, take on mediumship that our last episode, episode 149, I came sort of out of the closet with my uh, my <laughs> investigations into physical and trance mediumship because, quite honestly, when I first heard about it, it sounded weird. So um, our listener, if you've listened to episode 149, you might have a little sense of what this all is all about. But we really want to hear it in, in your words, Jan, and what you – so tell us your story from the beginning, how you got involved in this wonderful world. Okay, let me let me first quickly give a little definitions for your listeners. Okay. When we talk about mediums or psychics, there are two different types of psychics or two different types of mediums. The, the simple ones are called mental mediums. These are also called channelers, and these people act as an intermediary between the spirit world and the physical world, and they will give messages. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, very few of them go into trance. Most of them are wide awake, and they will tell you, I hear this, or I hear that, or I see this. You can watch TV. You can watch see the Long Island Medium, James from Prague, uh, and many others who perform you know, on TV. You can see it. These are called mental mediums. They are very common. There are lots of them. Mm-hmm. And I've sat with many, many of them, and I'm sure you have too, Sandra. And they either go from very poor to very good, uh, none of them are a hundred percent, but you know some of them are good and they give very good messages. And I'll mention some later. Sure. Then there are other types of mediums, and these are called physical mediums, and these are very rare. These mediums produce what they call physical phenomena, and that is what I'm going to be talking to you about today. 
These phenomena, you're going to say to me, Jan, we don't believe them. Mm -hmm. But I am going to tell you what I've experienced myself, what I've read, and the people I've spoken to. And I've spoken and met many, many mediums. And I was actually just talking to Sandra about some of the ones that she knows and many of the ones that I've met. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about these phenomena. I'm going to describe describe them to you. And hopefully afterwards you'll say, hey, there might be something to it. And Jan, just to interrupt a qu- quick second, if you could just, I know I, I read it in your bio at the beginning, just a little background as what your career has been. Because it just, it helps to know that you're a reputable guy and you're a very smart man as well. But what uh, career field were you in? I know Okay, yeah, I now. was, oh, good out. I uh, am a physicist by training. I have a PhD in physics. And I started... I, was, I graduated from sophomore college, and I graduated from Cornell, where I got my master's. <clears throat> and then I went to South Africa, where I did my Ph.D. on diamonds. You know, that's a natural place to go, mm-hmm. to do your, on the physical properties of diamonds. And that's where I met my wife. And I met her, and after three months, we were married. Wow. And actually, believe it or not, we were married for 45 years, and she passed away last year. Mm-hmm. She went to the spirit world. And um, the, when I met her... We were both very interested in, is there something to life? I mean, we were young, we were in our early 20s. Is there something more to life? What happens when we die? And for, for a 25-year-old, you know, normally you go out partying, drinking, and doing those things. No, we weren't, well, we did a little bit of that, but we were also interested in what happens to you when you die. Yes. Is there something there? So what did we end up doing? We ended up going to some of the spiritualist churches in Johannesburg. This is in South Africa. It's still very British there. And in, like in Britain, they have lots of spiritualist churches where on Sunday there's a medium who does mental mediumship and he gives messages. So we went to some of those. Most of it were terrible, you know, terrible messages, nothing really true. But we met some other younger people, and we decided to form a developmental circle, which is something I'll talk about later, and I recommend to a lot of your listeners, if they're interested, this is something they can really do. So my wife and I and about five other people in their 20s who were also interested in the subject, we sat, we met once a week in a developmental circle where we sit, and we hope that one of these sitters will develop into a medium. And one of them sort of did trance, where trance medium is where he sort of goes into sleep, and then somebody speaks through him. So one of the sitters became a trance medium, and uh, this was after several months of sitting. But he was so-so, and some of the messages were, you know, okay. Jan, can I ask you just a quick question, just jumping in? You're talking about sitting in a circle. Could you just tell us a little bit what what you do in that circle, like how it is you could develop a medium? What you do is, that's a good question, because people, if you want to start it, you sit around, maybe five, six, seven of you, ideally. Uh, I sit in a circle at the moment, there are only four of us, but I'll I'll, I'll describe it later on the results we get. You sit there, you open with a prayer, you normally do it in the dark because it's easier for the spirit entities uh, to take over. And then you sit there for an hour and you meditate. And what happens eventually, somebody will either get impressions or hopefully, which that would be fantastic if somebody goes into trance. Mm, okay. And they, and they go into a sort of a sleep and they start talking. Like Leslie Flint, a very famous medium, the first time he went to a developmental circle, he fell asleep. And he started talking already. So that it, that's extremely rare, but it happens. Mm-hmm. So that's what you do in a circle. You meditate for an hour. You do it every week at the same time. It can take frustratingly long before you get results. 
But if you do get them, they're unexpected and phenomenal. Yes. Okay. Thank anyway, you. so my wife and I sat with this group of people. At that time, we just bought, we just moved from one apartment to another apartment after we were married, and we needed some pine furniture. And now this is an interesting story. This is how I got involved. Now, across from the university in South Africa, where I was doing my PhD, there was a little pine furniture store. And not having a lot of money, being a student, and my wife, you know, had a simple job, we went there and we looked for some pine furniture, pine tables, some pine chairs, and there was two two elderly people owned the shop and uh, they helped us. So I sat down at one of the chairs. I said, "Boy, these are hard. This will really keep us awake when we sit in our little séance." And the store owner said to me, "Oh, you sit in séances?" I said, yeah, I thought it was a big shot. I said, yeah, we sit in a developmental circle and we're developing a medium. She said, oh, that's interesting. She said, would you like to come to a seance? Wow. And my wife and I said, looked at her and said, of course we would. Her name was Sarah and her husband's Mickey. They were both in their 60s and they owned this shop. So two weeks later, we come to their house and two people there, one of the Two of the people there, one of them was Professor Allen. He was the professor of anatomy at the university Hmm. and his wife and two other people. So there were six of us and Mickey and Sarah. So we walk into this room where they take us, totally blackened out, the windows totally covered with black sheets. In the corner were two chairs with a, and you can pull a curtain in front of them. So they sit in the corner and a little bit in front of them, there's a curtain that pulls in front of them. And the, the door was also sealed. And uh, when everybody sat down, there was a red light above us. And then one of the sitters turned the red light off. So we were sitting there in total darkness. And in front of this curtain, which was closed, that was in front of Mickey and Sarah, on the floor is something we call a trumpet. It's not the kind of trumpet. It's more like a megaphone. You know, you've seen these things at football games. Yes. Where these cheerleaders shout through these megaphones. But this is a small version of a megaphone. It's about a foot and a half high and about a diameter of about four inches at the bottom. Okay. But there was luminous paint on it, so you could clearly see it sitting there. So my wife and I said, wow, that's interesting. So uh, light gets turned out, we sit there, and after about, say, about two minutes, an entity starts speaking from sort of behind the curtain to the side of the curtain. And it's a voice of a young man starts talking to us, and he, inter- and he welcomes us for being there. It had an American accent, uh, which Mickey and Sarah obviously weren't. They were South African with a very typical South African accent. Interesting. And uh, he starts speaking to us, welcoming us, and hopes we enjoy the sitting. And he talks to the other people who he knows, and he uh, laughs a bit with them and makes some jokes. And his name was Brian. And he turned out to be, he was a young American who died back in the uh, early um uh, early 1900s, and he was buried somewhere upstate New York, which Professor Allen, when he was in the U.S., once confirmed. And uh, then Brian said, okay, let things happen and start. So we said, oh, okay, we were wondering what would happen. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this trumpet, this megaphone, starts flying around the room, like a bee does, flying all around up to the corners, and came right in front of us, would tap us on the head, would tap us on the knee, and we'll do that to everybody, and we'll just fly around for several minutes. Didn't hit anything. Just, and this is in pitch darkness. And all of a sudden, it stops right in the middle, right in front of that black curtain. It stops there, 
and an entity starts speaking through it, a lady called Mady, I remember very well, with a German accent, heavy German accent, started speaking to us. And she talked the sort of philosophy about the purpose of life and what we're doing in life and things like that. So uh, that was quite, quite fascinating. Sure. And, uh, I mean, we were dumbfounded. I mean, we, we'd never experienced this, of course. My first reaction is it's fraud, but then you think about it. How the hell does this thing fly up to the ceiling, to the corners of the room, in the pitch darkness, without hitting anybody? But, you know, I thought it might have been Mickey doing, holding it, but how does he do that? So, uh, and then a few other entities came and spoke to us, and uh, that was the first sitting we had with them. Professor Allen then said to me, Jan, he said, this is real. He'd been sitting with them for years, and he said, Jan, this is totally genuine. It's not them doing this. You can hear it in all the different voices that came and spoke to us. And then this trumpet flying around the room. I said, but how does this trumpet fly around the room? Right. He says, oh, well, that has to do with ectoplasm. And now we get into the real physical phenomena. Real physical phenomena are involved when we're dealing with ectoplasm. And if you haven't heard about it, it's, it's an interesting substance. It was actually called ectoplasm by, in 1905 by a professor, Richet, who was a professor in France, a professor of physics. He actually won the Nobel Prize. And it was actually analyzed, ectoplasm, uh, by several uh, famous scientists and, doc and professors in 1913, 1916. And ectoplasm basically consists of what the body consists of cells, nitrogen, oxygen, it consists of those kind of things. What it is, is it is a white substance, and I'll describe how you, to you how I saw it the first time. Sure. Because we became very good friends with Mickey and Sarah. They, they, took a, they, they liked us, and we ended up, by the way, sitting with them for eight years. Wow. Every time we sat with them, and in the beginning it was quite often, afterwards, when they were getting older, it became, it became less and less frequent. Mm -hmm. But every time we sat with them, by the way, this trumpet would fly around the room. Sarah would always go into trance, and his entity, Brian, would always talk to us. But one of the sittings, they said, Jen and my wife, Marlene, said, we're going to have a surprise for you. They invited one of their friends called Kitty Gordon. Kitty and Max were friends of theirs. They were, they were, she was already in her late 60s, early 70s. She used to be a materialization medium. And she, and I'll describe that in a minute, and she had stopped because she was getting old and they'd been doing it for 30, 40 years. Mm. So they said, you know, she really stopped, but she agreed this one time to come and sit with us. So Mickey and Sarah would sit behind the curtain in the room and this lady, Kitty, would sit next to them and this time they turned the red light on. And then Kitty went into trance and all of a sudden, this ectoplasm started pouring out of her nose. And it went down over her body, onto the floor, and it was still attached to her nose, and just kept on pouring out of her nose, and it was on the floor. It looks like silky uh, cheesecloth. It is a fluid, because it was flowing. And when it was on the floor, uh, Sarah, who was in trance, Brian came out and said to one of the sitters, told him to pick it up, because you can only touch it when they tell you to. Mm -hmm. He told, um, he told the, uh, one of the sitters to pick it up at a corner, to hold it up, and to walk across the room. 
There it was stretched about five feet high all across the room, this sheet of white, call it, it's ectoplasm, but call it, uh, you know, a silky uh, cheesecloth, whatever it is. Uh, he was holding it there. And you could see it was all stretched and was still attached to her nose. And you could see all this, Jim. Oh, right in front of us, a few feet in front uh, of me. Okay. Oh, my gosh. And I know. And it was, you know, four or five feet high, all the way to the ground. It was a big sheet. And then Brian said to that person, just let it drop. He dropped it. And it dropped to the floor. And then started coming all the way back into the nose of Kitty, the sitter, of the medium. So that was our first experience with ectoplasm. I mean... People might listen to me and say, you're nuts. No, I'm not nuts. I have degrees in physics, degrees in mathematics. I was a professor at Cornell. I was a professor at a university in South Africa. By the way, when I mentioned this to fellow professors, they thought I was a nutcase. Yeah, sure. But some of the people who have Nobel Prizes were physicists. Back in the early 1900s, 1930s, people whose professors of physics with Nobel Prizes believed in this because they'd been to seances they'd experienced this it is real and the beauty is it has been photographed and it's the originally that the first time it was photographed was back in about 1875 uh 1874 1875 it was photographed um by uh, sir william crooks you know a famous physics professor uh 1874 he took a lot of photographs of ectoplasm. You know, photography was just new in those days. Mm-hmm. It was also photographed in the early 1900s by uh, this Baron von Schenk, a German, who uh, photographed who had 225 photographs of all different shapes and forms of ectoplasm. Most critics who see those photographs say, oh, it's nonsense, it's all fraud, phony. It, it's cheesecloth, right? Oh, cheesecloth, it's oh, yeah. Yeah, everything, you know. What I saw it come out of someone's nose, get stretched for six feet across the room, four feet high, and then when dropped on the ground by itself, it went back into her nose. Mm-hmm. You tell me how cheesecloth does that. And <laughs> <laughs> believe me, we saw it. My wife saw it. Everybody there saw it. Uh, but it is real. And And now coming back to my own experiences is, because in my book, and I recommend if anybody's interested in the subject and you want to see photographs of ectoplasm that I will vouch for 100% because I know who took them, um, they're in my book. Mm-hmm. And like Sandra said, Life After Death, some of the best evidence, you can buy on Amazon, Kindle Amazon. Uh, the photographs are just worth the book alone. Well, it's funny, Jan, uh, before... You and I have spoken yesterday. I ordered a hard copy of your book, and then I was so excited based on our conversation we had that I said, oh, my, my that book won't come in on, in time because I'm traveling for a few weeks. So I downloaded it on Kindle just to see the pictures, and they're phenomenal. And just for our listener right now, if you're listening on YouTube, if you scroll down to the bottom of this episode, there's actually a link to Jan's book uh, on Amazon. And also, it's easily, you can go to wedontdieradio.com and click on episode 150, and there's a link also right there. So continue on, sir. So the, the reason I am so I, I have vouched for these photographs 100% is because four of them, and especially the one on the front cover, were taken by Professor Allen, this professor of anatomy at the university. He took those four photographs, of, not with Mickey and Sarah. 
they did not produce ectoplasm in red light. And I must explain this to the listeners. Ectoplasm is very sensitive to light. White light has got more energy than red light. Red light has got a lower frequency, so less energy. So some mediums can produce ectoplasm, like it's Kitty did when we saw it in red light. Mm -hmm. Some mediums cannot do that. And I'll talk about some later, some that you met, uh, like David Thompson. He can, he can produce materializations, but only in the dark. Mm -hmm. uh, but in red light, it's more convincing because you can see the ectoplasm. So what happens is, and now it gets even stranger, but more fascinating. Okay. And if you've ever seen this or experienced it, it will change your life. Is when this medium then goes into trance, and this was with Professor Allen, he sat with a medium in Johannesburg who Jack would not tell me his name. And the reason was he was a top executive in the insurance world in, in Johannesburg, mm -hmm. and he didn't want people to know that he was sitting in seances and producing materializations because a lot of people thought you're a nutcase then. Absolutely. But yeah. And it's so unfortunate. You know, they people know nothing about it. They haven't even read the literature. But boy, they can criticize it. And I'll tell you later my big run-in with Randy, the magician, who's nothing but a fraud and a phony. Okay. And um, but Jack would go to these. He sat with this particular medium in Johannesburg six times. A young man in his thirties. The ectoplasm would come out of his nose, and it would for, first of all form on his shoulder what they call a voice box. So you can see it. One of the photographs in the book shows a voice box, and I also showed a voice. I also show a photograph there of Jack Weber, very famous materialization medium, never proven to be fraudulent or anything. And Jack also nice photograph, similarly of a voice box on the shoulder of the medium. The voice box is used in what's called direct voice. This is what the spirit entities use sometimes to talk through. Either the medium is in trance and will, they will use the vocal cords of the medium or they will speak through what's called this voice box where they will use that voice box and put it over their spirit mouth so they can talk through it. Leslie Flint, who was a very famous direct voice medium, wouldn't even go into trance. He would be awake, but the voice box would form next to his body and entities would speak. And he would even speak to the people speaking through the voice box. Incredible. He was an incredible medium. And um, uh, I, I, in my book, I talk a bit about Leslie. Never proven to be fraudulent. Um, this voice box then is used by spirit like Brian with Sarah, who would then you could hear the voice, not from in the, behind the curtain, but next to the curtain. And he was using the voice box, but the ectoplasm she produced. So this ectoplasm, that's the one purpose of it, to produce what's called a voice box. So spirit entities can use it to talk to us. Then I show a photograph there of this ectoplasm totally draping the medium. And that's exactly what I saw with Kitty, my wife and I saw with Kitty, this ectoplasm draped over the medium. But what happens next is where it gets unbelievable. Okay. This ectoplasm then forms, rolls onto the ground, and then starts rising into a solid form, like into a rod, and goes higher and higher, and eventually it forms a full human body. It forms a full body in white with uh, drape with draperies on it. With um, uh, it's in my book shows it beautifully how it is draped in this white ectoplasm. It is a spirit entity that is materialized. They call it a materialization that they've materialized in ectoplasm. And the, the incredible thing is 
This entity then will walk around the room, talk to the sitters, and touch them. If they were, if they're allowed, he will touch the sitters, or he will allow them to touch them. And this, these entities were photographed by Professor Allen. He photographed two full materializations. They're in my book. He, sw he had a, a, a professional photographer with him. They used UV, uh, ultraviolet film, mm -hmm. and they filmed this in red light. And when you look at that photograph on my front cover, you can see on the ground there in the background, I don't know if you noticed this, Sandra, a whole pile of ectoplasm lying there, an incredible amount. So you get this whole entity, which, by the way, is totally solid, speaking to you, and you get this ectoplasm, these draperies, uh, folds, you know, draping down from the, uh, from the, uh, from the entity. Wow. It is just unbelievable. Now, and they talk to you. Now, the most impressive example of a materialization medium, and I want to talk about him because there is no one else who's ever produced what he did, is called Alec Harris. Yes. Alec Harris. Yes. I mean, I think you know about him. I've just read the book uh, that oh, was written by his, by his wife, wife, his wife wrote Louis book. Harris. It, it yeah, is Louis Harris. just great. I, now, you won't believe it, but my friend, the, Mickey and Sarah, the ones we sat with, mm -hmm. sat with, Ar with Alec Harris and his wife. Oh, it's tremendous. They had sittings with them. So I got firsthand accounts of what happened at those seances. Mm -hmm. So what you read in the book there, because remember, Alec Harris was born in Wales, and he was giving demonstration in Wales. He, in the beginning, never believed it. I know. But he... And he was then told to, to, by, by, by some, I can't remember exactly, it's all my book, I talk about it. He was then told to go and sit in a developmental circle or sit with his wife. And he would then go into trance and produce these materializations. Mm -hmm. And the incredible thing about Alec Harris was he would produce from 10 to 30 different materializations in one evening. And they would come, not at the same time, but one at a time. He would sit behind the curtain, the black curtain. The materialization would form, walk out, all in red light so everybody could see it. And very often, one of these materializations was a relative of one of the sitters in the circle who were invited to come and sit. I cannot even imagine that. Can you imagine one of your relatives appearing there in front of you? And the relative is dead, but there he or she appears in front of you. And you can then talk to her or him. And this happens so often. There are many accounts, I give them in my book, um, that where this happens, where this Alec Harris produced these phenomena. Once a week, people would travel from all over England just try to get in and to experience this. It, it is just my, and these were just, these were men, women, children. The one guy materialized, he missing a leg. And his relative said, yes, that's my brother. Right. He lost his leg in the war in Singapore, Second World War in Singapore. And, you know, they materialized like that. I believe even animals did. I think in the oh, book, animals, yeah. pet in cat. Even one of David Thompson's sittings, an animal, a little dog appeared and ran up and jumped up and sat in someone's lap. Mm -hmm. It's just unbelievable. So Alec Harris, what happened is, is their son um, moved to South Africa back in the 1950s, and he got a job there. And uh, they moved to Johannesburg, and that's where they met Mickey and Sarah. Because Mickey and Sarah were sitting with Kitty and Max, so they were all mediums, so they all sat with each other regularly, quite often. So Mickey told me these stories about Alec 
just like you read in the book about all these yes. entities that materialize. Phenomenal. And one of the ones that Mickey told me the story, this red, this I shouldn't use the word red, this Native American uh, Indian uh, materialized. A very tall guy. Must Mickey said he must have been six and a half feet tall. tall really big guy. And he, he st stood there in front of everybody in red light, and he said to Mickey, Mickey, I am your guide, and I forgot the name. I am your guide. Please come, come up in front of me. So Mickey walked up, and there is this entity in ectoplasm, in white, talking to him with, with a headdress and Indian dressing, Amazing. American Indian dress. And he said to Mickey, tap, hit me on the chest. So Mickey said, what? He said, yeah, hit me on the chest. So Mickey gently taps him on his chest. And the guy says, I said, hit me on the chest. So Mickey hit him a little bit harder. And the guy, the guide again said, hit me hard. So Mickey said, okay. He took his hand and hit him as hard as he could. Nothing happened. Not a thing. The guy just took it totally. He said, thank you. And Mickey was just dumbfounded. There you have this materialization, which comes from this ectoplasm that pours out of someone's nose, mm -hmm. solidifies into an entity that walks around the room. But it is always still attached to the medium. So this entity, even though it walks, it is still attached with ectoplasm on the ground that is attached to the materialization, is still attached either to the nose of the medium or the mouth. Sometimes it comes out of the ears or the solar plexus. So they are still attached to the medium. Interesting, and that's why that photograph on my front cover of my book, you see all that ectoplasm next to the entity there, that's then attached to the medium. So Mickey told me these stories. One of their stories they also told me was that the spirit entity, sometimes they walk back into the cabinet, as they call it, or behind the black curtain, but other times they would sink into the floor and disappear. Yeah. Now, you say to yourself, I don't believe that, but that Mickey says, Jan, I saw it with my own eyes. And I think you read about that if you read Alex's book. Yes. You, or her, her book. He sinks into the ground, one of these entities, and still talking. And he talks and talks and talks until his head is just sticking above the floor. You know, the only thing above the floor is his head. And he's still talking. And then his head disappears. Now, your listeners are going to say, this is nonsense. It isn't. The reason I talk so convincingly about it, because I've witnessed it myself, and I have talked to people who have seen these things, like Professor Allen, who mm -hmm. sort of the medium in Johannesburg, with Mickey and Sarah, who sort of Alec Harris. I saw the ectoplasm myself with um, Kitty. And uh, another experience, which I just have to talk about, okay. are these Christmas, the Christmas sittings. These, these are sittings that Mickey and Sarah had, because remember, they were getting older. They were not producing full materializations. It's a bit sad, of, 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 of entities like Alec Harriswood mm -hmm. or David Thompson, which I'll talk about after this. They weren't producing those kind of materializations. They were having the trumpet effect. We had people talk to us, lots of different guides, and, 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 and people talk to us. But they did produce materializations when we had Christmas sittings. They could just produce enough ectoplasm. What happened at these Christmas sitting was, uh, we were about ten, 10 sitters were invited. My wife and I, we were invited two or three years in a row. And we had, everybody was told to bring a wrapped gift. So we had a wrapped gift. And my wife had bought a black doll because the gifts afterwards were given to African charities. Mm, very nice. So, 
So we bought this black doll she bought, wrapped it, never told Sarah or anybody what was in it, and we had to put the gifts in the middle of the circle. So kid, um, uh, Sarah and Mickey were sitting behind the black curtain. The, the trumpet, you know, this little megaphone was standing in front, and in front of that we had lots of little toys that we had sitting in front of them. Little a toy drum, a toy whistle, a toy trumpet, a toy, uh, some of these little toys that you would rub around and have sparks and it would, I forgot what they call those, friction toys. Mm-hmm. There were some friction toys. They were all lying there. And all the presents, there were about 10 presents in the front there. So the lights are turned out. And then firstly, uh, Brian comes out. Now that comes out, of course, he talks to us through the uh, voice box. And he talks to us and he, and he says hello to everybody and welcomes them there. And he gets to my wife, Marlene, and he says, oh, hello, Marlene. Thank you for the nice present. He says, you're going to have one of those next year, but it won't be that color. Oh. Now, this, was in de- this was in December. My wife had our daughter in November next year, so she wasn't expecting. But he said to her, you're going to have one of these next year, but it won't be that color. And your present was wrapped. The doll was actually it was totally wrapped. wrapped. And of course, no it's one, dark, right? It's dark. No one knew what Marlene said, had said nothing to anybody. That's so great. Isn't that incredible? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you call nice evidence. And so uh, next November, she had our daughter. And um, then he, when Brian finishes talking to everybody, he says, okay, okay, kids, he says, go ahead. And all of a sudden, you hear this noise of all these presents being unwrapped. You hear all this paper being torn apart. And, you know, we had no idea what was going on, you can imagine. And after a few minutes, the boxes were open. These kids were playing with the toys. What happened is these are little spirit children that had come out, had materialized with the ectoplasm produced by Sarah and Mickey. And they were, they were, um, uh, they were, uh, playing with the toys. Then, the little toys we'd put there, the little drums, the whistles, they would start playing all these toys. They're playing with the drums, blowing the whistles, blowing the trumpets. You know, it was a hell of a racket. All at the same time. Making, Many All children. at the same time. Yeah. So there were, there were numerous kids. Then, they would walk around and pull on your pants. Huh? Like my wife had her hand lined hand out, and they would, a little hand would touch her hand, and uh, they told us not to grab or do anything. But if they came and touched us, we, would, we should just allow them. So we allowed them to touch us. By me, they were pulling on my pants. You could feel little hands pulling on your pants. And little hands would be touching everybody. Uh, just, and then we, they had the friction toys. They were rubbing these friction toys with little sparks. With our little things, you can actually see little mm-hmm. materialization children there for a fraction of a second while they were using these friction toys. So we experienced this. I mean, we experienced this two or three years in a row. Oh, it's so un- incredible. It's an incredible experience. I mean, how can anybody f- call this fraud? Yeah, totally well, impossible. Jan, one of the reasons I feel so, like, it's now time for me to talk about this is I was at one of these Christmas seances, and that is exactly what happened. And it blew my mind. And What's important to know, too, is when I saw the medium was strapped down to a chair, everybody was searched before going in just to really show this is not some fraudulent thing doing this. I mean, these mediums are 
very, very tested. Um, and I, that's why it's like, we, we've got to talk about this. We need to bring this into the world. And, you know, one of the things, every time you say ectoplasm or seance, I cringe. And it's only because I've seen the Ghostbusters movies, <laughs> you know, with the green slime. Oh, and, that green slime. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, we remember in times of, you know, in the books and the, and the movies and things, hearing things about Houdini trying to reach his mother and they'd go to these seances and it, they all it all sounds like a very creepy world and it wasn't one that i wanted to really talk about because i didn't want people to think i'm crazy but it's not creepy it's filled with love and fun oh, and humor it, right and, and the, yeah exactly and what is the whole purpose the whole purpose is to show people here on earth that this is death is not the end no that you're going to continue living they're here to show and prove something to us mm-hmm. and a lot of times, little children, you know, come out to, to their parents to show them, hey, we're still alive. We're still here. Yeah, we're still here. And we're around you all the time. So it, it is a it is a, an experience filled with love. Mm. But the fact that, like, you experienced it, in, you did it in England. I, I think you did what you told me. Yes. I experienced it in South Africa. Uh, different continents, different times. But notice they have very similar kind of experiences. Mm-hmm. These are phenomenal. These, I mean, this is not fraud. Anybody who says to me, fraud, the, I'll give you a good example. When I was a professor at Cornell, this was back in the early 1980s, they had invited Randy the Magician. I don't know if you'd ever no. heard of him. He's now retired. He used to be the big debunker of psychic phenomena. Okay. And he would go on TV shows and saying, it's all nonsense. I can do whatever they can do. You know, this is baloney. He was there, and uh, the professor of the department, they'd invited him. They said, uh, was there anybody there in the department who wanted to speak to him? And I said, yeah, sure I did. So I took my photographs with me and showed it to him. I had a private meeting with him. And he had one look. He says, ah, oh, that's nonsense. That's fraud. I said, oh, can you do this? Oh, of course I can. Okay. I'll tie you to a chair in the dark, and I'll tie you with straps and everything, and you produce this. Oh, well, we'll see. We'll do it. So, you know, immediately backtracked. Of course. As soon as I challenged him that I would tie him to a chair, all of a sudden, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Well, we'll think about it, you know. But he's out there. Because why? He made a good living doing that. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime... And then other people, when they hear about this, anybody your listeners who's going to hear about this, they're going to say, wait a minute, this is not possible. It is. The photographs are there to prove it. And also, I have some book photographs in my book from Minnie Harrison. I don't know if you've heard of Minnie. Oh, I have heard? the book, Tom Harrison's book. I haven't Tom read Harrison. it yet. I, I know Tom. I've spoken to him. Okay. Because I spoke to him because I phoned him. I finally got his phone number. spoke to him. He had, he had retired in, in Spain. He's now in the spirit world. Because I asked permission to use some of his photographs uh, in my book. Mm-hmm. So we got to be very friendly. And he loved it. He, he asked me to send me his, my photographs, you know, to, to, to send them. Because he, he loved this, to see others have the same experiences. It was his mother who produced full materializations in their room, uh, in, their, in their sittings, in their seances. So I have some of those photographs in the book. And uh, one of the sitting, one of the times uh, Tom told me, it's in his book, was what was a medical doctor there, and he measured the pulse of these materializations. They have a pulse. They talk to us, and believe it or not, they have a pulse. It is just, it's just truly amazing. Mm-hmm. And this actually happened to me and David Thompson. 
maybe I'll quickly. Uh, yeah, take uh, your time. Yeah, okay. Take your time. Uh, David Thompson is an Australian medium. He was born in England, but he moved to Australia. And David was doing materializations, but David was not good enough to do them in the red light. David did them in the black, in the right. dark. So immediately people say it's fraud. You know, I just pull my hair out, you know. Well, people are so quick to criticize. Anyway, I'd heard about David, and uh, so I managed to get a hold of him and invited him to come to here in Los Angeles, where I live. And this was about five years ago, and he came out. Um, we paid for his airfare, and we had three seances. And David then gets strapped to a chair. Did you see David or did you see Scott? I saw both. Too. You saw both. Yeah. So you know what I'm, I'm talking very about. Lucky. I'm talking. Yes. Yeah, then you saw David. You, you, you take David, you strap him to the chair with these uh, tie, plastic uh, tree ties. Mm -hmm. they, they pull him tightly around him. His legs get tied to the uh, legs of the chair. His hands get tied to the armrests of the chair. A scarf gets done through his mouth, tied to that. So there he is, totally tied to the chair. And we could actually go up and make sure he's strapped in, make sure his hands couldn't fit through those straps, make sure it wasn't a trick chair. I mean, I checked it out. Exactly. And me, I was the one who organized the room where it was. Mm -hmm. So there was no, nothing could have been hidden there. Right. Because David came in and... You know, that was it. He, he couldn't do anything. It was not, I mean, the room was totally organized by me. It was totally sealed, totally dark. Lights was turned off. And then, as you know, um, his, his guide, um, William, uh, William, William mm -hmm. came, comes out. Now, William he walks in boots. So we had plywood on the ground. So you could hear him step hard on the, on the plywood with boots he was wearing. David was wearing sneakers and he walks around William touching everybody on the head mm -hmm. with his big hand. Did it happen to you, Sandra? It did, and it was a big, yeah. warm hand that I yeah, felt. Wasn't it? So, And I asked William, I said, William, do you have a pulse? So he grabbed my hand with his hand. He put it up to his neck, and I could feel his pulse in his neck. Incredible. There he's standing right in front of me. And we were talking, and he thanked me for inviting, getting David to come out. And, um, and then he walks around talking to everybody. And he talks about, hey, all we're doing here is to show to you that you live after you die. Mm -hmm. You're not going to die. And yes, you're going to die. Your physical body is going to leave you, but your spiritual body is going to go on. And that's where he came out, he did what he did. And David does the same thing. He has trumpets, these trumpets flying around the room. And one of the sittings, I had two of my own trumpets that we, my wife and I had used. So there were three trumpets flying around the room at the same time. Now you tell me, and then people tell me it's fraud. I say, well, how the hell? Oh yeah, he gets out of the bindings. He has night vision goggles. Mm -hmm. Then he takes the takes the trumpet and moves it around. And I said to that person, you ought to go to an insane asylum. You're yeah. a nutcase. Well, you, you save. You have to I experience mean, it. I mean, I think you do because it as. Great as it sounds that this would be reality. I mean, it, it's scary for even myself to tell people about it because so many times we've been burned by things and by people. And I do think back in the day when, when, uh, physical mediumship was in its heyday, there were magicians that were trying to prey yeah. upon people. And Absolutely. And they used to take these trumpets and tie them with a string and whiz them around sure. the ear. Yeah. But you could hear that. If you listened closely, you can hear the whizzing. These trumpets, 
fly around the room to the corners at this high speed and come and tap you on the head, on the knee, even if it's in the dark. Oh, and very gentle. Very and gentle. Very gentle. And exactly. they just hover. <laughs> so I go, eh, things just don't hover. But there, but there is fear, so I can, I can totally understand that. But I think that's why this is so good that we're having this conversation. Yeah, because, I mean, you and I have experienced it, but I have spoken to the people mm-hmm. who sat with the greats in this field, you know. I've spoken to people who sat with Leslie Flint, with Alec Harris. The, I know the people who took the photographs. I've right. spoken to them, and they swore blind. Jan, this professor of anatomy, is he going to phony a photograph? I mean, you know, we became friends for 20 years. We were great friends. So only in that 10, sorry, 11 years, we were very good friends. That's okay. Um, because that's when I came back to the U.S. and became a professor at Cornell. So when you've experienced all these things yourself, and you know it, and you've spoken to the people, you've seen it with your own eyes. Like one thing i got to tell you about one of David's seances here in, in, in uh, L.A., because I brought him back again two years later because there was so much demand for people to come and sit with him. And, uh, you know, it wasn't cheap, of course, because, you know, David was a professional. You know, you have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. I know in England you paid a lot less. I had to charge quite a bit. But one of the seances here, in the room we had, this was in a hotel conference room there were these plastic trees they have in the four corners and uh, they're about six eight feet high in pots the, the thing must have weighed you know anywhere from five to ten pounds during the sitting those five plants were taken from the corners and put right around me so there i was sitting with those five trees right around me and little timothy who is a little guide of, of david's mm-hmm. You've heard Timothy. Yes. He he was laughing like hell. He says, Jan, we put you in a forest. And he's laughing like hell. And I had no idea what was going on until eventually after the seance, the lights were turned on, and there these four trees, plants, these plastic trees, were sitting next, or right around me, my chair. Incredible. Incredible, huh? Mm-hmm. Plus also, David, as you know, in the sitting where you probably had, they move him tied in his chair to the center of the circle. I don't know if you had that. They did. And, and how yeah. they could move the cabinet <laughs> that but, far. And well, his clothes was on backwards. And his sweater was on backwards. But with us, it was even more amazing. The circle came from the two from the around the cabinet where he was sitting. So they didn't move him forward. They actually lifted him and put him on the back, over the people, behind the circle. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. I mean, there I am, a physicist. Right. I mean, I taught physics. I'm a professor. I wrote 80 scientific papers. Mm -hmm. And I look at this and say it's not possible. Mm. And now coming to my own little circle, and I recommend everybody, if you're interested in this, first of all, read about it. Secondly, if you're interested in developing into a mediumship, go develop a circle. Like at the moment, I'm sitting in a circle where it's myself, uh, we have a medium, his wife, and another sitter. There are only four of us mm-hmm. because you need dedicated people. You have to sit every week at the same time. And you can't just say, well, I'll come this week and not that week. No, you have to come regularly all the time. That's so a to commitment. Get people, to get people who, have a, this, who are willing to do this is not easy. Mm-hmm. So we started sitting because we were told by another medium, um, Brian Hurst, who, uh, who's a very well-known medium here in L.A., who did uh, mental mediumship. He okay. gave very good messages. And um, he, oh, 
Sorry, I got to interrupt you for a second. No problem. Because this, this Brian Hurst, he came to one of the sittings with David Thompson here in L.A. And who do you think materialized? Leslie Flint. Leslie Flint, because Leslie was very good friends with Brian Hurst, who would come to the circle. Wow. Leslie Flint gave evidence. He gave names, addresses to this person, Brian Hurst, that no one knew. The medium definitely didn't know. Pro- proving that it was him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's just a side thing. So um, what I recommend is if you're interested, sit in the seance like we do. So we met, we started about four years ago. And we would sit. You sit for about an hour, like I said, in the dark and meditate and hope that someone goes into trance. Is there any songs being sung or any laughter? If if, if you can sing, yes, it's ideal. Okay, because I've heard that many times to build energy. That, that, is for, that, that is for a physical medium. If you're oh, developing okay. a physical medium, that you, you do that. You sing. Since I can't sing and the other three sitters can't sing either, you just in our meditate. circle we don't sing. Okay. But we play music. Good so we do play music. We play Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, which is a lot of singing in it. So, uh, but it's very nice music, and we use that in our circle. So we play that music. We all meditate, and the medium, our medium does go into trance. But for nothing happened. But after we sit for about 45 minutes, we then have a table. We have a little table. It, the table is about three feet high. The diameter of the table is about a foot and a half with three legs. Okay. Three small little tables. And we would all put our fingers in the center of the table, touching each other, because it was still in the dark. But we know that we're all touching each other. So, And after about a few months, the table started rotating all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And after uh, another few months, besides rotating, it started tilting. And uh, after a while, believe it or not, it started levitating off the ground. Now, we're all touching fingers, interlocking fingers. So there's no way anybody could be doing it. Mm-hmm. And it starts levitating. And it levitates about two, three, four feet off the ground. One of the sitters who's short actually has to stand up while her fingers are still on the table because the table is at high off the ground. <laughs> and it levitates for anywhere from from 10 to ten seconds to about a minute off the ground. That's incredible. Now, as, a physicist, as a physicist, you say that's not possible. Mm-hmm. Nothing moves up against gravity. That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you, it does. And it is an incredible experience. And that happens without having the ectoplasm, right? There's energy exact- being... Cre- oh, yeah. gosh, only... Cool. <laughs> yeah, this is wow. a different type. This is a different type of energy because mm-hmm. the medium is not in trance. He's sitting there with his fingers on the table. So this is a different type of energy they use. Yes. Then we also have chimes hanging from the ceiling, and the chimes every time after well, it took about two or three years. Just before the table started levitating, the chimes started ringing by themselves. That's great. They ring every time we sit. The chimes ring two or three times. When we have our fingers on the table. But that is not ectoplasm. You're right. As Cassandra, that's an excellent point. Mm-hmm. It's a different type of energy. We're dealing with energy here that we just don't know. And as physicists, any physicist who says we know all the laws of physics doesn't know what he's talking about. There are things happening here that we just don't understand yet. How can this ectoplasm pour out of the nose of the medium? And by the way, there was one medium in Seattle who was once giving demonstrations in Japan, and uh, they weighed him. They put him on a scale while he was in trance, and he produced ectoplasm. Mm-hmm. His weight went down by five pounds. 
five pounds his weight decreased wow. when the ectoplasm came out of his body. Yeah, and I've so, been told it, it comes from their pancreas. Uh, Is that what you... Well, I don't know. Remember, it consists of the the analysis. It's oxygen, nitrogen, cells, Mm -hmm. human cells. And they also use, so the guides tell us, they also use material from the room and from the other sitters. That's why you need sitters. They also take something, energy from each sitter as well. Hmm. So it's all combined into this ectoplasm, which forms these materializations. But nothing to be feared. Nothing scary happens. There's nothing. You I've don't never feel had, worse after leaving one of these seances. The only feeling I've had is when people tell me it's fraud and they come oh, up. Oh, I and know. Says, oh yeah, he's got night vision goggles. I said, where did he have them? Oh, he had them in his pants. Oh Jesus! You know, these are the kind of comments you get. Yeah, and there but, have been people that have been outed for being, you know, that have oh, been filmed on the thermal cameras that have walked around the room and have been holding the uh, trumpet, you know, so it's... Sandra, you are, unfortunately, back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when when spiritualism was really at its peak, there were so many frauds because there were so many gullible people who were willing to pay for it. Yes. And, of course, when there's money involved, there's fraud involved, no matter what you talk about, everything in life. If there's money involved, there's unfortunately fraud involved. Mm-hmm. And yes, there were a lot of fraudulent mediums. There were fraudulent people who took advantage of bereaved people. And there's lots it, of bereaved people out there. And, yeah. And you are 100% correct. And you read the literature. But then you have to know, and that's why in my book, the evidence I present is from the sources I believe are 100% accurate and from mediums who have never, ever been proven to be fraudulent. Mm-hmm. So that's those are the only ones I talk about. But, oh, yeah, there are a lot of fraudulent mediums. And the beauty about Mickey and Sarah, for example, they never charged one cent. Mm-hmm. You know, ever. Yes. As soon as you start charging money, but like with David Thompson, he's a professional medium. He has to make a living. He's not working. And so we had to charge. But the precautions were unbelievable mm-hmm. that we took. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I chose the room. He knew nothing about it. When he walked in the room, he sat down in the chair, and we tied him to the chair. How can you produce anything fraudulent? Nothing. I want to. I want to tell you a quick story. Scott Milligan. Uh, yeah. I've been to two of his seances, and he's a, a young man in the UK, and he's just a wonderful person. He's great. And so the last seance I was in, it was not a big group. And he does his, the phenomena happens in the dark as well. Um, but he was sitting in this cabinet, this wooden cabinet with the black curtain in front of it. And I was one of the people in charge of making sure he was strapped down, you know. So me and this fella, I mean, I did my due diligence. I checked every <laughs> part of the room. I mean, I was, I was on it. And uh, one of the things that I witnessed was so incredible at one point, uh, I had to check to make sure he was sitting in the chair. And I opened up the cabinet, and there he was. He was sitting in the chair. There was a red light on. The red light went out, and his spirit guide, uh, Daniel, spoke. And next thing you know, uh, they asked to turn the light back on. And this was maybe 20 seconds later. The cushion he was sitting in was in the middle of the room. So I had to get up and check to make sure that he is still tied down tight and that he's now sitting on the 
um, the frame of the chair, the the springs, so to speak. And I thought, yeah, he is. Well, then the lights went out again, and Daniel's voice is, um, okay, you know, you can turn the lights back on. And within seconds, that cushion was underneath him again. Isn't it phenomenal ah. what these spirits can do? <laughs> oh, they can gosh. do things way beyond the laws of physics that we currently understand. And so funny, Jan, because at the very end, when our, all the lights went on, Scott was turned around in the cabinet. The chair was totally turned around. Um, and the curtain that was hanging in front of him was actually tucked down the back of his shirt oh, as a joke. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, there was so much laughter and humor, and they said they were yeah. going to do something funny. But, like, nobody can do that. I know. It is, it is nobody... Because what they do is, like with David Thompson, when they take his sweater and they reverse it on him, they have to dematerialize it and rematerialize it. Baffling. We cannot Mind do blowing. that. No, we I can't even. Oh, yeah. Star Trek stuff. I got another one minute. One other yeah, one other, yep. Uh, this, is the, this is a German medium called Mugi. I, I don't know if you've heard of him. Kai. Kai Mugi? Kai Mugi. Yeah, I don't know much about him, but I've heard of him. I brought him out to Johannesburg, to L.A. here. We had two seances. Mm -hmm. In the red light, he is in trance, supposedly. And look, I was I was the one because I organized. I sat right next to him. I held his hand. First of all, the trumpets flew around the room in the dark as usual. But I was holding his hand and his wife's hand. So they couldn't be doing it. Secondly, he then, in red light, he stands up and he pulls ectoplasm out of his mouth. He pulls it out of his mouth. So then you see this ectoplasm coming down onto the floor, onto a pile on the floor. Wow. I was standing next to him, so he takes his hand and pulls, and I, there I'm touching this ectoplasm. It's like wet, I hate to say it, wet cheesecloth. Mm -hmm. But how the hell can he swallow just yards and yards of this stuff that he's pulling out of his body? Right. Out of his mouth. That's what people say, it's cheesecloth. Oh, yeah, he swallows it first and then regurgitates it. Uh, that's pretty it. gross. Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, give me a break. Mm -hmm. First of all, who the hell in his life would swallow yards and yards of cheesecloth mm -hmm. and then regurgitate it? And then, again, it disappears. You know, this, that's what they do. But it's, I've seen it also like that, the ectoplasm. He doesn't do materializations, although hands did materialize out of it. You could see a hand but the ectoplasm lying on the... Um, on the ground, and a hand starts materializing it. I oh. could see it because I sat right next to it. Jan, I don't want to forget to ask, have you experienced any apports or things that have been brought into these seances from the spirit With world? With Kai Mugi, yes. He gave me an apport that was in the ectoplasm. Mm -hmm. They had put in the ectoplasm, and he opened the ectoplasm, and there was an apport. Uh, the, the apports... Uh, with David Thompson, they've occasionally had him. I've never had him myself. Mm -hmm. Harrison, Tom Harrison told me that in their seances, they had flowers every sitting were brought out, were brought into the room from outside the room, called an apport. That means they have to dematerialize it and rematerialize it when they bring it in. Mm. It makes no sense to me as a physicist. There's a medium named Jan Dayton, Dayton who's in the UK, and she told me the story that she was in one of these seances and she everybody was instructed to touch the wall behind them so it was a small room and she said there was this hot feeling that developed under her palm and then she says it almost felt slimy like gelatin and then they were to remove their hands from the wall and what developed in her hand was a coin and oh she said God. to actually 
be part of that. There's, yeah. there's no way, you know, that happens. So looking at the clock, we have to think about wrapping this episode up. I want to make sure you share uh, a little bit um, more about your book, what people can find in it. And then we have a really big invitation for everybody to join us at the symposium in, in September. How about that? Yeah, I would love to speak to people if they would come and they would contact me. They can talk to me and I can give them help on developmental circles or more evidence. But the most important thing is if you're worried about death, which everybody should think about. We're all going to die. Of course. Most people don't want to think about it. They'd rather not. But look at the good part. It gives you a purpose in life. And it gives you this whole feeling that there's a reason for for living and that you are going to live. Read the book. The evidence is there. Again, life after death, some of the best evidence. It'll hopefully give you a purpose in life to realize that you are going to continue living and that also you can become part of this. You can develop into a medium or someone and then and to change your life. It changed my life, changed my wife's life, and Sandra, I'm sure it changed your life when you experienced this. Absolutely. And it, it, it's exciting. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, you're never too old to get involved in something you're passionate about is yeah. to know that this is real and we can have fun with it. And we, oh. and it's not just physical mediums and, and these other mediums that can, I mean, yes, maybe produce things and have materializations, but we all have to realize that we have spirit beings around us. Our loved ones are in that invisible space with yep. us. We have spirit guides. We are never alone. Exactly. Yeah, it's you, know, you hit it right on the head. And we all, oh yeah, I forgot to mention it, of course. We all have guides. We all have these call them arch, arch, archangels, you know, these guides around us who guide us and help us. And that was all determined before you even incarnated. Mm, I love so, that, Jan. I, I know. It. It is, anyway. It's, it's all good. And there's going to yeah. be more. And I can't wait to give you a big hug when I meet you in person in September. No, and we I'm will sh- meet in September. And I thank you for inviting me. Oh, and uh, I love to share this because, as you know, as you can hear, I'm, I'm so convinced about this. Yes. You know? Yeah. And but, I'm, I know you are too. So Well, now I have a backbone in sharing uh, because yeah. I've, I've witnessed enough. And yeah, you know, there's some frauds out there probably. But there, oh, there, there, are, there yes. is truth. And I want to just give, um, if people are on Facebook, there's two things I don't want to forget about. Uh, one is Scott Milligan and the team from Banyan um, Retreat Center, which is in the UK, which is where I saw the physical mediums, David Thompson and, and Scott Milligan. They started a Facebook group called Spiritual Ambassadors. And it's a closed group, but they let everybody in, just have to apply to be part of the group. And what they do, um, Jan, is they are bringing up people from the past who were great physical mediums. And so there's a lot of discussion, there's a lot of stories, there's a lot of pictures. It's really fantastic. And that's called Spiritual Ambassadors. And then also, we are going to see each other um, this September at the um, symposium, but we have a group a public discussion group also on facebook and if you type in afterlife research and education discussion that is a 
the public group on Facebook to discuss all of this. There's so much involved in the world of the afterlife and some cutting edge information and even Sonia Rinaldi in Brazil who's brings through children on something called a soul phone that the parents can communicate with them. Lots of incredible people are going wow, to be with us at the, at the symposium. So we can discuss all these things in that Facebook group. So a reminder to go to afterlifestudies.org if you want to think about coming to, to meet Jan and I in September at the symposium or even if you're just interested in who these people are if you can't make it that's okay but just come check out some of the technology that's out there and what we're up to so in closing i want to thank our fantastic guest jan vanderzandy for being our guest today it's been a fun conversation i want to encourage you to check out his book which, of course, is Life After Death, some of the best evidence. And attached to this show, however you're listening, there is a link so you can find his book on Amazon if you wish. Uh, again, come visit us in September at the Afterlife Symposium. And if you have enjoyed this show, take the risk. And it's a courageous thing I know. And press share or tell your friends about it. Um, it's Sometimes it's so difficult to share that you're interested in these afterlife studies because you don't want people to think you're a weirdo. I know I certainly <laughs> didn't. Same with Jan, right? And uh, it's terrible, especially being a, a physicist, you know. I mean, it's, it's a scary thing. But what I've found is that so many more people are interested in this and they've been quiet and not telling you because they're afraid of what you think of them. So yep. if we can get this conversation out, we can meet a lot of like-minded people. And perhaps you want to start meeting once a week and, and having a circle and, and uh, you know, really witnessing some phenomena yourself. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I'm delighted that, to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I do believe with all my heart that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on Earth is important. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.